Thank you, Father. Father, we're just so grateful on this Resurrection Sunday to be in your presence. We know that this day marks a second chance for every believer. So we thank you right now, Father. Every time we miss the mark, we know that Jesus is alive and has given us the capacity to be forgiven. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, even for a second chance at healing. God, we may not have believed enough last year, but this year we get a new opportunity. So we thank you for it. Even God for right relationships. You died so that we could love one another through you. So we thank you for that. We thank you now, God, even for this body of Christ that you have knit together with all of our different backgrounds and issues of life. You made us one, and we thank you for that. God, even as we go forth in this day, let your presence be our guiding light. God, we give you praise for it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Whenever I think about Easter, I'm always impressed by the fact that Jesus is alive, which means that every person on the face of the earth has an opportunity to be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. I trust that you uh, enjoyed the sunrise service. Amen. And now you have a deeper understanding of what Easter means to us. Today, we're going to continue talking about that great day. But today's lesson begins in the afternoon and evening part of Easter. Okay? Luke chapter 24. Just to give you some background, uh, Jesus has already uh, walked with the disciples on the Emmaus Road, and uh, they have already had some discussions about his resurrection. And now we find that uh, he is at the upper room with the other disciples. Amen. So at verse 36, the Bible says, and as, the, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit, or King James says a ghost. And he said to them, uh, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands, my feet that it is I myself. Handle me 
and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed, him, showed uh, <clears throat> them his hands and his feet. But while they did not believe for joy, that's a very pivotal, pivotal sentence. He says, and while they did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Reminds me of when I was in uh, Israel, all I had was fish. <laughs> another story for another time. And then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I'm going to stop reading that, but I'm going to teach a little further. I want this thought in your mind this morning. Jesus opens our understanding. Jesus opens our understanding. You can be seated. <clears throat> One of the things that, that we find uh, in reality is that most of us have knowledge but no understanding. We know some stuff, but we don't know what to do with the stuff we know. <laughs> Amen. That's even more true today with the Internet. There's so much stuff out there, so much information. Most of us are suffering from what I call an information overload. We got more information than we can handle. And the information that we do have, we don't know what to do with. So that always con uh, concerns me because there's an opportunity there for a lot of unbelief. Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, the thing is that what we do as human beings, the way we process things, that if we don't understand something, we make up something that works for us. Oh, look at y'all, look. Oh yeah, you believe a whole lot of stuff that has no basis in fact. Because you read it on the internet. Amen. But Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples were not victim to this. So he wanted to make sure that he uh, gave evidence of what he was telling them. Bible says that while he was walking along, uh, uh, excuse me, while uh, Cleophas was talking, Jesus walked in the room. The Bible says that he walked in the room without the doors being open. Now, notice what the Bible says in the book of John. It says that uh, in verse uh, 19 of John 20, it says the same day of the evening, being the first day of the week, the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. So Jesus just showed up. Now that would do about probably half of our congregation. <laughs> so, 
Rather than witness, they would probably need to give you some oxygen, but that's beside the point. The Bible says that he just showed up. And the reason that he did what he did is that he wanted to make sure that everybody understood that even though he had died and he was in his resurrected body, that his body was still flesh and bone. Amen. So the Bible says that the body was uh, anointed enough, and I want to say powerful enough, that it could penetrate anything, including a hard heart. <laughs> but then Luke goes on to explain, and I want to show you the steps that he gave us. He gave us four steps, and uh, these are the things that we all get through. We get through confusion, the rebuke. <laughs> that gets a little tough, doesn't it? Uh, instructions. Now, let me tell you something, the order. You don't get instructions unless there's a rebuke and there's an E missing on rebuke but you all know what it's, how to spell it don't you <laughs> but I better tell you because see again forevermore to be <laughs> R-E-B-U-K said no that's what I saw on the screen and after instruction then, then you're able to witness amen so the Bible says that the first stage that they went through was confusion. They were confused because everything that they had heard up to this point, Jesus was alive. They believed that, but his body was missing. So there was concern that this live Jesus was really not alive. And uh, even though they had heard from Peter and some of the other disciples that he was alive, they had no proof of that. Remember what Thomas said. Unless I can put my hands on him, I'm not going to believe. So there was confusion about what they believed and how much of the story they believed. Now, in our society, sometimes we, uh, we, we don't know the difference between legend and myth. Now, the difference between the two is that a legend is a story that's usually exaggerated, but it's a real story. But myths are something that's made up in someone's mind and it's not real. So they were not sure exactly what they were dealing with. But the Bible says that when he appeared to them, uh, the first thing he said to them was peace to you. Obviously, you want to get some of the confusion out of the way. But then uh, when they did not respond like he thought they should have because they were frightened. Why were they, why were they afraid of him? This is the same Jesus they walked with and talked with. So the next step was the rebuke. <laughs> Why are you afraid? Why are you scared of me is what he's saying, okay? I put in stuff that we can understand. The Bible says that in John uh, chapter 20, verse 25, it said, uh, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So they said to him, unless, this is Thomas, unless I can put my hands in the print of the nails and my finger in the uh, print of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. So there was, there was a mixed, uh, uh, mixed bag of emotions. There was joy and there was unbelief at the same time. Amen. We do a lot of that. <laughs> so 
The Bible says this. It says, so they believe not for joy. Psalm says this in Psalm 126. It says in verse one. Now, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. In other words, we can't believe that we're actually free. This is what they were saying. We can't believe they were actually we're actually free. So we're really excited, but we're a little scared, too. Amen. Amen. And then there's a, another uh, 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 example I want to show you that sometimes, you know, we watch games like we just watch the uh, March Madness. Sometimes when a game comes to an end and the final shot wins the game, we're kind of in that state for just a little bit. Is this real? Did it happen? Is there going to be a foul? Is there going to, you know what I'm saying? So I believe it because I just saw it, but I'm a little concerned that it's real. And this is the state that they were in at this point in time. And the Bible says this, that in John chapter 16, verse 22, it says, therefore, now you have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy uh, and your joy no one will take from you. So he said, listen, I told you this before, that when I come back, you're going to have joy that nobody can take away from. you." But of course, you know, they were still living in that state of unbelief. Amen. So the Bible says then, the literal translation of this is that they being unbelieving from joy and amazement. In other words, I'm so excited, I don't know what to believe. I, have you ever said this before? I can't believe this is real. And this is the state that they were in at that point in time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Bible says this in John, 1 John chapter 3, it says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, uh, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, which is where we are. Some of us today in that state of unbelief, we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know and this is the part we all like. That when he is revealed, we shall be like him. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this in verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, Jesus, the Bible says, then that which is in part will be done away with. Amen. Which brings us to the third step, which is called the instruction. And this uh, probably will take a little time. So I'm going to just kind of run through it real fast because the notes will be they'll be going through. Jesus then said that he wanted to remind them that uh, of everything that had been discussed by him prior to this. If you look at John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26, Here's the gist of it. He says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Uh, it, it's important that we remember, for example, we're sitting in church. It's important we remember the message. Because there's a reason for the message. Amen. But then he goes on to say this. He says, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you what? 
all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. How many know that we have this thing built into us that we remember everything our mom and dad has said after we've gotten in trouble? You don't remember anything when they're telling you, don't do that. But as soon as you get in trouble, you oh. <laughs> Mama said there'd be days. <laughs> so the Bible goes on to say that he began to teach them. Now, it's important that we know exactly what he taught. The Bible says the law the prophets, and the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are what we normally call the holy writings. Now, because I don't want to go through all of these notes, so let me just, if you'll put up the prophets, the Psalms, the Law of Moses, what each book represents, then they, they can look at it and you... you if you have a Bible, you don't have to remember it. You can just look it up. That work for y'all? Good. <laughs> so the Bible says each of these divisions of the Old Testament then were prophecies respecting Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Look at Psalms 119, verse 18. The Bible says, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. If it's been written then I can see it in the law and then I see it fulfilled. Then I can believe the three witnesses. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so the Bible says this, the disciples uh, have been given the mind of Christ so they could understand. Look at first Corinthians two sixteen. The Bible says for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Now, <clears throat> here's what we find out almost immediately. If you don't have the mind of Christ, then you can't receive from Christ. Amen. Amen. And if you can't receive from Christ, you can't witness. And you certainly can't pass it on. Right, good job. <laughs> so the Bible says that at this point in time, they had a measure of light, but not enough to really understand. That's when we get a little bit of knowledge and become dangerous. Amen. <laughs> so the Bible says this. It says uh, the prophecies which pointed out the Messiah also the Messiah was the Messiah. It was the Messiah who pointed out the prophecies. So Jesus is teaching them about him. Amen. That makes it even more difficult when the one who is teaching is teaching about himself. And it's amazing that when people tell us about themselves, we don't believe it. Amen. Hmm? Whenever you begin to share your testimony with somebody, they say, I don't believe that. And especially if you've been through something. They're very quick to say, nah, I ain't, I ain't buying that. So what he's saying is, is that in order for your testimony to be effective, in order for you to know these things, the Bible says that you have to understand that the law is without relationship. Now, do you understand what I mean by that? 
When you have the law, it's usually a set of principles and rules, but it doesn't deal in relationships. It doesn't tell us how to pass it on so someone can use it. See, we have this thing when I got it, then there's no reason for me to try to, you know, uh, make you understand. You should know this. Right. That's why you say tell people all the time when they get in trouble. You should have known better like you did. Right. But we're famous for that. Uh, probably one of, one of the best quotes we have. But the Bible says that if we have the word of God without. Now, listen at this very carefully because it gets tricky here. If you have the word of God without the presence of God. Then the word you have is dead. Let me put it in some other English then. You can't witness if you don't have a witness. If the spirit of the Lord is not in you to reveal Christ to you, you can't pass Christ on to someone else. Let me try it this way. The dead cannot witness to the dead. That's why we always want to to make our testimony about us. When in reality, the Bible teaches us that our testimony must be what Christ has done in us. Because you didn't do. When you try to tell people about your experiences without Christ, it just becomes nothing. So what he's saying is is that in order for you to understand, in order for the scriptures to be open to you, the only way you can understand who Christ is and what he did and why he did it, you must first have him. In other words, you have to go past the law, which is without relationship, and go to Christ, who is relationship. When we say to people, we have a personal relationship with Christ, and I will always tell you, I don't believe you have a personal relationship with Christ if you don't have a personal relationship with people. Because what you do is you have received the word of God for you, but the Bible did not say that he gave you the word so you could be, you know, fat, dumb and happy. That's not what it's about. The Bible says that you received it because you are a witness. You have a testimony that you have to share with someone. And it's impossible for you to share that testimony if you haven't received it yourself. That's why it's possible to be healed, delivered, and still not be saved. Now, remember, and every time Jesus worked a miracle, what did he tell him? He said, go show yourself to the priest. Give this testimony. In other words, if you have received it, you must be able to testify that you have it. 
If you cannot testify, it means you haven't internalized it. You don't understand it. You may you may have it, but you don't understand it. It's like um, it's like somebody giving me a jet fighter. I can park it in the yard, but we can't do nothing with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's mine. I got all the power and all the guns and the bombs and all. But I can't do a thing with it except look at it. But here's what I can do. I can run around and tell you about my jet. Huh? I can tell you about my jet. But ain't either one of us going to be able to fly. You follow me? Mm-hmm. I might, you know, hang out with Tom Cruise for a little bit. <laughs> uh, he has his own jet. I thought y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Bible says those who do not receive this inward teaching continue to be in the dark and dead while they are alive. And the Bible goes on to say that Jesus not only enabled them to understand the prophets and the law, but the Bible goes on to say that he explained how it all fit together. That's why in Romans 8, 28, the Bible says that, you know, all these things work together for our good because we love him and because of our calling, which I'll get to later on. But now if you haven't been called to anything. Well, that's a whole nother story. Now, let me stop because I want to tell you, everybody's been called, but if you don't know you've been called, you might as well not be called. Yeah, okay. All right, because I don't want you to think that, 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 that there's people out there without a call. So that brings us to number four, the witness. The Bible talks about the witness, the witness. This is important because you cannot invest advance the gospel just by reciting the gospel. Did you get what I just said? Uh, There's no power in recitation. The power comes alive because of that personal experience. You know, I told you last week about uh, the stain of sin. You know, the same principle applies to everything in our lives. There's a mark on you that identifies who you were. If you lived a certain lifestyle, there's an indication that's there. Now, here's the problem. And and let's. I know this is Easter, but I want to make sure we get this. See, the devil has access to your past. Okay, let me try this on the side. The devil has access to your past. Why? Because you lived it. And you lived it unto him. And see, when the Bible talks about this mystery of God, the mystery of God. Now, whenever Paul writes about the mystery of God, what he's saying basically is that this thing was hidden from the beginning and nobody really understood it. But the fact is that what God does through Jesus Christ is he not only 
has access to your past, which means he can cancel it if he chooses to do so. But he also gives you the power, come on, to change your future. And see, if you are, are, are not born again, then you don't have the power to access the change, which means you can only go to the past. Amen. Amen. That's why people will always tell us about what they remember about us, Amen. because they don't know your future. They don't see what's coming. All they know is where you've been. Amen. Hmm? When people tell you about what you used to do, how bad you used to be, it's because they have access to that file the devil keeps on you. But what they don't have is access to the future plan. And see, that's why the, the mystery is hidden in Christ. See, once you get in Christ, they don't have access. So when they try to go into that, it says access denied, access denied. Why? Because it's under the blood. But we have to understand that. And if we don't understand that, we keep repeating the same thing. We keep sinning the same sins because we think we cannot do any better. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You have the power to change. How do I know that? Because Jesus is alive. Yeah. It'd be a good place to quit, wouldn't it? But wait, there's more. <laughs> so the Bible says that when he began to talk with them about their ability to witness, he said this. He says, the gospel is advanced when the messengers are empowered by the Holy Spirit. If I am operating under the Spirit of God, then my words have power. When I witness to you, you feel the power of my words. Let me give you an illustration. You ever been talking to someone about the goodness of God, not specifically talking about scripture or anything, but you're just talking about how, how good God's been to you. And the person's looking at you in the eyes, they start to water up. And, because the spirit of God is radiating. And it touches them and it causes change to take place. But you can also tell them about your experience, how you was in the hospital, you had your leg broken, you, you know, you had this, that, and the other, and they go, oh my, and nothing happens. Because the testimony is dead. And the testimony is dead because the testifier is dead. <sighs> well, that was good. So Jesus said that they were to be witnesses and that they were to teach repentance and remission of sin. So let's talk about that, first of all. And then I, I can tell you that repentance uh, uh, is sorrow for sins and forsaken. It. Now, you haven't repented if you keep doing it. Amen. Let me say that one more time. You haven't repented if you keep doing it. Amen. Hmm? 
To repent is by definition to turn, to change. So if you keep doing it. Oh, no, no. I see that you're too quiet for me. Now, listen to me. (laughs) If you're going around that same mountain, if you still got that same attitude, you still got that ability to cuss folk out. You still have the ability to be selfish. Come on. Then you have not repented. You just sorry. And I mean that in the nicest way. Bless your heart. But. Because you said, I'm sorry. (laughs) And that's exactly what you mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I don't have the power to change. I'm sorry I won't accept truth when it comes into my life. I'm sorry that I'm such an idiot that I will not accept the truth. I got carried away. (laughs) See, listen. The Bible says that repentance means that I'm changing. But then it says that I need to have remission of sins. Well, remission means pardon. My sins are pardoned when I turn to Christ. When I make the change, then he gives me the power to make it so. Come on, you get what I'm saying? When I make the change to him, he gives me the power to make my change real. Once I submit my life to Christ, then it is cemented in Christ. Now, you know, I I tell you all all the time, we have this problem where we give Christ a little bit. And everything that you've held on to, come on, everything that you have not released, everything that you have not given to him, trust me, what I say, the devil has your file. Oh, he may not bring it up today. He may not even bring it up this, what, decade. But he will. He will. You know, you tell people, well, I quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And you may go year, two, five, ten. But you never really turn that thing, that that habit over to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you do all this good stuff in the meantime, while that habit is dormant. But it hasn't gone anywhere. And then one day, it comes roaring back. And when it comes back, you know what the Bible says about having the house swept and clean? Mm-hmm. And that demon comes back. He brings the whole family with him. So while you were just drinking before, I'm not even going to talk about all the other stuff you're going to be doing afterwards. You follow what I'm saying? See, you, you think you're hidden when you just say, well, I am not going to do that anymore. That's called willpower. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you 
you only have as much willpower as one human being can have. But you don't have all power. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I got to keep my eye on the prize here. So he says that remissions of sin. And then he asks, adds the caveat. In my name. Hmm? Listen. Whenever we add his name, we add his power. So now it's not just remission of sins, but it is the power to actually forgive sin. Amen. And then he said this, and this is the part I like, and that's why I said I, I, I want to get to this part. He said you have to begin in Jerusalem. Now, why is that such a big deal? He, he already said that in that. Begin in Jerusalem and then take it to the outermost parts. Why do you need to begin in Jerusalem? Well, let's talk about that for just about a minute. If it don't work in your inner circle, It won't work in your community. Do you understand this? The people who know you best have to know that you're different. If they don't know you're different, then the change is not real. Hmm? If you were, I'm just going to get rather ugly today. If you were an abusive husband. And you say, well, the Lord came in my life and I changed. I'm not going to do that anymore. And the first time you get mad, you go to Oregon fussing and might even go to fisticuffs. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. You're going to probably get whipped if you got a good wife, but that's beside the point. <laughs> But you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you say you've changed, but the person that's closest to you can tell whether you've really changed. So Jesus said this. He said, we're going to take this thing to Jerusalem. Why are we taking it to Jerusalem? Because those are the people that murdered me. Come on, if I can forgive these folk that murdered me and you can receive them. We might have something we can work with here. Hmm? Some of you are holding folk right now. Some person that hurt you deeply. And you can't seem to get past it. That's your Jerusalem. And until you can make it work there, it won't work anyplace else. And what he's saying is, is that the power comes from the ability to change in the midst of the people that know you best. Or knew you best, I should say. You understand what I'm saying? When, when, listen, when the devil can no longer access that file, that's when you know you've changed. Huh? That takes practice. Oh, look at y'all. That's why we practice religion. <laughs> It's a work in progress. Listen to me. Sometimes 
you forget. Before you know it, your mouth is saying something it shouldn't be saying. So you ain't got to mark that down. Okay. That's a trigger for me. I can't, you know. So when that comes a second time, I say, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Sometimes you have to leave the room. Sometimes you have to leave the house. But you keep practicing it. And over time. Mm, but you should know. Now, the one person you should be honest with is Jesus. <laughs> don't say stuff like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I keep doing it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You know exactly what's wrong with you. You hadn't been delivered. Instead of telling the Lord, you don't know what's wrong with telling the Lord, I need some help. I have this problem. It is not the will who need a physician. Stop fooling yourself. Amen. I'm out of running out of time. Oh, Lord. Oh, no, I got plenty of time. Start all over again. <laughs> now, here's what I really want. I want to close with this now. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I see what you did. Say <laughs> so, no, we're going to make sure he knows exactly how much time he's got. Uh, <laughs> Listen, there's a difference between a sales talk and a spirit-empowered witness. People do not come to Christ at the end of an argument. Can I say that one more time? People don't come to Christ at the end of an argument. You made your point because you got point A, B, letter C, and number three. And People don't come to Christ because of preponderances of evidence. Doesn't work that way. Amen. The Bible says Peter came to Jesus because Andrew went after him with a testimony. You hear what I just said? Andrew had a testimony. Go to uh, John 1. It's right, right next to it. Next page. <laughs> uh, look at verse 40, uh, and 40, 40 to 42. The Bible says this. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak, heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he said, and he brought him to Jesus. And see, that's a testimony. That's a testimony. Said now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. First thing he did was change his name. You see that? 
So the Bible says this. Tragically, we can actually believe in the resurrection and not believe in Christ because we have made it such a satirical story that everybody knows it, but they don't believe in the Christ. But the Bible teaches us in Luke chapter 16, verse 31. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus warned us by saying this. He says, this is to Lazarus. He said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Did you hear that? So we go forth in the authority of Jesus's name. We don't go forth in our name and we don't talk about stuff that we don't have any power in. In other words, if, if, if I am still uh, acting like a fool, then I need to get myself straight before I tell you how to stop acting like a fool. Now, some people believe that it's possible because we tell people, uh, don't do as I say, I mean, don't do as I do, do as I say. That don't work. Because if it's not working for you, why you, why you expect it to work? Mm-hmm. Amen. And I know that that's a, uh, that's, that's a, a good parenting tool, but it, it don't work. It, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. And especially with children, because children have more questions than answers. You tell them, because I said so. That's not going to work. I mean, unless they're two years old. And then they'll come back to year four and say, look, back. <laughs> By that time, they're a little bolder. Hey, old man, didn't you say? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's how they talk nowadays. So let's close this. Here's what Jesus was teaching them, that up until this point in time, there was a spiritual veil over their eyes. They could only believe in part. They could not believe the whole gospel. So the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now, I want you to see what it says there. The Bible says the end of what was passing away. Well, in Moses' case, what was passing away was the law. Are y'all still with me? So what was passing away was the law. And in our case, what Jesus was saying, uh, the law, the prophets and the psalm. But they were not passing away. They were being fulfilled. And once they were fulfilled, the Bible says that now we with unveiled faces can behold the glory of God. So I don't have to hide behind the law or the the prophets or anything else because I can go directly to Jesus. And when I get to Jesus, the Bible says that uh, the reason Moses had the glow was because he'd been in the presence of God, which means that that anointing was on him. Well, you today have that anointing in you. 
and because it is in you, it is always radiating out. So whenever you have that anointing radiating out, when you come in contact with sin, there's always going to be a confrontation. Spoiler alert. If you are anointed and you come in contact with sin and nothing happens, you're not anointed. Let me go to the other side because I think y'all misunderstood what I just said. You can't be anointed, come in contact with sin, and nothing happens. That's why some people say, well, you always talking that stuff. You always talking about it. Yeah. When you come in contact with sin, it pulls something out of you. Not a scripture, not a this or that, but there, there, there is a power that radiates out of you. And automatically the person that you're talking to has difficulty with you. The reason they have difficulty with you is because light and darkness cannot coexist. And at some point in time, one has to overpower the other. You can't have them both at the same time. Y'all ain't listening. Listen to what I'm telling you now. So whenever you come in contact with, with sin, there should be a reaction of some kind. Huh? It would be nice if, 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 you know, like they do on TV, whenever you came in contact with a sinner, a certain song would start playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't work that way. But you do have. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on now. You've had the experience. You've been in places where people automatically just loved you when you walked in. And you've also been in places where you just had difficulty from the beginning. Hmm? You go into a store. The clerk is just mad with you. you, you all you're doing is spending money. Okay. But you got to make sure who, who's who now. <laughs> Sometimes it gets confusing. <laughs> so the Bible says now, first, uh, second Corinthians again, verse three says in verse 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Now, here's what that means. It means that even today, when you start talking the law, people start to back away. They can't deal with the law. Well, you need to stop doing it if you don't change it. That veil comes over the heart. I ain't taking none of this right here. Mm -mm. See, if your witness is always based on the law, then it has no power. It's dead. Okay. It says in verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is what? Taken away. Amen. And see, that's what we need to understand. Uh, uh, you need to be concerned with, with, with what the Bible calls the dynamic duo. That's the word and the spirit. You put them two together and you can conquer every foe. Amen. But here's the deal. The message 
doesn't work unless there's a freedom that you have received from Christ. That's why he said when he greeted them, he said, peace. I, I, you got to listen, you got to be at one with one another. And this is also why the Bible says that you have to have the freedom to receive this word so that you will have an understanding. So I'm going to close with Ephesians chapter one. You all know what the scripture says, but this is what it says. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, beginning at the 17th verse. Now, you know, this is a whole sentence, uh, uh, that whole chapter. So that's why it's broken up the way it is. It says, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, so we know exactly who we're talking about, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of him. Now, you only get that from Christ. Here's what it says. It says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know, here it is, what is the hope of his calling. Now, see, this is where it gets tricky. It's his calling in you. It's his calling in you. And I mentioned earlier that everybody's called to do something. You were put here on planet Earth because God had a purpose for you. He had something he wanted you to do, but you have to find it. And the Bible says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints? And the Bible says in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who what? Believe, Believe according to the working of his mighty power. So what is it you believe today? I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that he was sent here in the form of a human to die for my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave on the third day. And when he arose, the Bible says that he not only had all power, but the Bible says he led captivity captive. By doing so, what he did is he took away everything that held me back and gave me everything that would advance me. Are you seeing that? In other words, what Jesus did is seal that foul cabinet that the devil had on me. That record is sealed forever. But what he did is he started a new file. It's called the book of life. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Whenever I think about all that he's done for us, there's one song that comes to my mind. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. The Bible says that that repetition of who he is. Ah, there's just something about that name. Why don't we try singing it before we pray? 
again, family. We're so happy that you're here today and this is your moment, this is your time, this is the opportunity to either make Christ Lord of your life or recommit to Christ as head of your life. Listen, this is an opportunity that we can all partake in. Uh, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short and this happens uh, on the regular, but I'm so glad that his mercies are new every morning. And his mercies are new for me every morning because I decided to make him Lord over my life. I decided to put him first in everything that I do. So listen, even though we make mistakes, even though we mess up, we're not perfect. We're imperfect beings in this fleshly body, but we serve a perfect God. And I'm so glad that we have this opportunity together to accept him as our personal savior, to make him Lord over our lives, to make him the number one thing in our life. And if I'm talking to you today, I want you to join me in this prayer. It's as simple as ABC. First, admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, believe Christ died for your sins. And thirdly, confess that he is Lord over your life. If this is you, I want you to join me now. Pray with me in faith. All right, here we go. Say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. I have missed the mark and I have fallen short. But today, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, clean me up, wash over me, be my Lord, be my master. And now, in this moment, I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we are so excited for you. You have made the single greatest decision that you could ever make in your life, and that is making Christ the head of your life. We're so proud of you. Uh, listen, if you prayed that prayer with us today, we want to connect with you, not to spam you, not to bug you, but we want to we want to share some information with you. So if you would, please text the word SAVED to 252-627-9900. Again, text the word SAVED to 252-627-9900. We have a devotional we want to share with you to help solidify this faith journey. We want to be able to pray for you and pray with you. Uh, and we also want to help you get connected with a local church. If you're in the New Bern area, please feel free to come check us out. If you get here, and find that this is not the right fit for you it's okay let us know and we'll help you find somebody who is the right fit for you because we're not about growing our church we're about growing his church the universal church the body of Christ um, and so as long as you're surrounded by people who are like-minded and striving for the same goals and a, a, have a, a, a sense of community around you we are happy because we know that you're a part of the kingdom okay so listen uh, again text the word save to 252627 9900 so we can connect and pray with you all right all right guys this is all the time we have for this week we pray that you have had an amazing easter weekend um and continue to enjoy enjoy tomorrow is easter monday and and if the kids are out of school i believe this week and you know some people might be traveling some people just might be kicking back listen enjoy your time we are so happy that you took this time to spend with us today. Uh, so we're getting out of here. We're going to let you go. Have an amazing week. And just in case your week is not so amazing, make sure it has an amazing you in it. Until we get together again, God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next time.